Do you think you can learn a lot about the winner's mindset from the most famous marathon runner of all time? Buckle on up as you are about to hear about winning from this American running legend. Welcome to the Motivation Show podcast, where we interview remarkable world-class experts that help bring out the greatness within you. Top book authors, super successful business people, and outstanding special guests that will motivate and inspire you with their incredible, uplifting stories and life-changing tips and strategies. Our goal is your success. If you desire more out of life, you've dialed into the right show. So fasten your seatbelts, friends, and let's get ready for some high-octane motivation. Now, your host, the mayor of motivation, Eli Marcus. Our guest today is one of the most celebrated marathon runners of all time. He won both the New York City Marathon and the Boston Marathon four times, bursting onto the running scene by winning his first Boston in 1975. From 1975 to 1980, he was the undisputed king of American marathon runners. And over 40 years later, at least according to me, he is still the best known marathoner in the world, forever known as Boston Billy. Welcome to the Motivation Show, Bill Rogers. Thank you, Eli. Thank you for that kind introduction. I'm still a runner, but I'm not a marathoner anymore. I retired marathoning uh, some years back. But some people probably, I have some friends who've done the marathon like 40, 50 years. I lasted 23 years. But like you, Eli, I do the shorter races like the Falmouth Road Race or the Big Seven Mile or Peachtree. You know, and every community has a 4th of July or a Thanksgiving Day road race. And so if people search those out, that's how you can move forward and live a better quality life, you know, um, because you get better and you feel better, you have more energy, you sleep better, all these important issues. You have to be pretty bionic to run marathons probably your entire life. So it's definitely a better bet to uh, go to the shorter races after you've conquered those longer races. So you and I are definitely in agreement. Now I'm going to bring something up to you, uh, and it's going to be almost impossible for you to remember because it's way back in 1980. And there was a 10K race, and it was the uh, Pepsi Challenge race, uh, and it was over the George Washington Bridge, right? So I remember you, that race. Yes. So you and I were actually neck and neck. Now, the punchline is we were neck and neck because you already uh, were on the turnaround, and you were a half a mile ahead of me. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that's yeah. about the only way I could catch up to you. But, you know, there's this kind of a camaraderie and connections between all us who are out there because we all are doing our best, you know, and it's it's a hard sport. It, it really is because you kind of you're pushing yourself, you know, and um, but I remember, of course, the the Pepsi Challenge series was a big national series. And I remember going over that phenomenal bridge, you know, then you finished in a park and I, I forget where it was, maybe in the Bronx or Brooklyn. But I'm glad you ran that day. And it was about 8,000 runners or something. And it's just, you know, our sport is really a fun sport. And it's bigger than ever. Compared to 40 years ago, it's probably 10 times more participation. Partially, Eli, because women have really come into the sport in big numbers, you know. And so they changed the sport for the better. And all the male runners wanted the women runners to be involved. But the rules of 
this Olympic sport were kind of backwards for a while. For example, at the Boston Marathon and New York City Marathon, women weren't official participants until 1972 because the rules forbade participation, the international rules of world athletics. You know? Yeah, they so scooted kind of, Catherine Switzer off the race course at Boston, didn't they? She's uh, <laughs> pretending yeah, to be a guy <laughs> to yeah, get into the and, race. <laughs> and it was so, you know, Jack Semple, you know, they later became friends. But he was such a stickler for the rules. And, the, and unfortunately, the Boston Marathon or New York, if they had let any woman run earlier or any road race, they would lose what they called their license. You have to have a license to do these big races because we're all controlled by World Athletics. That's the international body, which is a great organization today. But 40 years ago, it was backwards. They wouldn't allow prize money um, for athletes. They wouldn't allow women to take part. But a lot of people fought for the changes. And um, Roberta Gibb was the first woman to, to run and win Boston in 1967. Then came Kathy Switzer in 68. And Nina Kusick won the first official Boston. And those women were celebrated this year by the BAA and Hancock, the sponsors at Boston. And, you know, I knew a lot of them from way back, you know. And but it was, I just think our sport, all sports have some history that sometimes isn't so good. You know, you look at any sport and they were kind of backwards for a variety of different reasons. Well, you know, Bill, before we get into some of your championship runs, which are going down in infamy, let's get into a little bit about your early marathons and how some of those races did not go so well. You know, I actually started in cross country with my brother, Charlie, and our best friend at Newington High School outside of Hartford. And we had a, a coach who was, it was the first year ever of cross country at our school. And it, we knew he was a track runner. So we kind of believed in him. And, and he believes in us. It's a two-way street with a coach. Coaches are so important. And Eli, you probably didn't have a coach when you began, and most people don't. But if you can join a running group, you're more likely to have a chance to get, have a coach and get that support. You know, but that helped me become a runner later. When I went to college, Middletown, Connecticut, at Wesleyan University, I met a Boston Marathon champion, Amby Burfoot, and also Jeff Galloway from Atlanta, Georgia, who started the PG road race they were terrific mentors you know we we all kind of all the runners we all kind of help each other out yes we duke it out in the race there it's as fierce as competition can be in any sport you know but but in the end we shake hands you know it's really that kind of a sport and you shake hands beforehand too you know but um my first marathon i dropped out it was boston in 1973 it was too hot i didn't know how to pace myself there wasn't enough water on the courts Boston became professional in 1986. And in some earlier years, John Hancock got involved because of Mayor Flynn, who was a marathoner himself at the time. And actually my brother, Charlie, played a big role with that. And also the manager of our downtown running center store, Ed Burke. Um, so they looked for a, a sponsor, a Boston company that would sponsor the Boston Marathon. And Dave D'Alessandro was the head of Hancock then. He said, yes, we'll do it. And they lifted the sport up, you know, and gave it more professional support. You know, what inspires me about you and what intrigues me about you, and I've bumped into you a few times, uh, whether it's at the Falmouth Seven Mile Road Race out in Cape Cod, which is one of the most scenic races in the world. Um, yeah. And uh, and I've told you this uh, stories about you signing uh, your original book, 
marathoning, which you wrote back in like 1979. <laughs> and you signed it for me in 1980. You signed it 25 years later. Uh, and it, we had a, a, a pinky bet that every 25 years you're going to sign that yeah. book for me. <laughs> so, you know, what inspires me about you is I never think of you as this world champion in only one sense that I just, you know, can be a little bit intimidated when you meet a, a famous celebrity or an athlete who has gone to the top and you never struck me as this kind of guy who was pretentious or full of himself. You were just Boston Billy. who just a regular, another regular guy, another runner in the pack. So Eli, you're a regular you, guy. And that's, what, that's great. <laughs> this is our sport. And if you mess around with it or get too cocky, you will get knocked down. It doesn't matter who you are. Even Muhammad Ali and Mike Tyson got knocked down sooner or later. Everyone gets beaten sooner or later. But I had it happen to me from the get-go, <laughs> from the very beginning. And I had a kind of a hard time getting into the marathon, you know. But I kept trying. My second marathon was a little race sponsored by the YMCA Framingham, Massachusetts. And there I ran with a friend, and he paced me. You know? And then I knew I could do it. Once you get beyond a certain distance, then you start getting confidence. And it's the psychological power of the sports world, which really plays a big role in sports like, I think, golf and road racing, marathoning, you know. But I think we also have tremendous fun in the sport. And, and your life, you really feel yourself change. You know, you, you, you tend to want to eat more food, you know. And for a while, I was the king of the junk food eaters. I have to admit, I like my junk food. I still do. But I've seen you with the photos of the pizza. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> you, you don't have to live, be a diet saint. I don't think, but I think you do. Your diet will change naturally when the more you get into sports like this, because you, you want to consume foods that are high energy quality foods, you know, like oatmeal and peanut butter. And but I still like my chocolate chip cookies and, you know, things like that. When you fail, doubt and fear often come into play yeah did they come yeah. into play with you and how did you overcome that you know when i dropped out of my first boston my first marathon i tried to move to california and because i figured i have to get used to the warm weather you know and i noticed texans and people from georgia and from california or from mexico or kenya they did real well in the heat and i'm living in new england we're cold you know and, and so but it didn't work out i didn't have a, any job prospects or no income and turned around and came back. So I think you often are going to do best running from your home. You know, that's what I did. And I joined uh, the Greater Boston Track Club. We had a terrific coach, Coach Billy Squires, got inducted into the United States Track and Field Hall of Fame recently at the Armory in New York. He's one of America's greatest ever coaches and distance coaches. And he is kind of a, a little bit of a an interesting, different coach, but he coached everyone from 200 meter sprinters to marathoners, but he loves the sport. No money for him, didn't get paid, did it out of the goodness of his heart and his love for coaching. A lot of coaches are like that, you know, but I found my way. Then my second Boston, I improved up to 14th place. And after it was my second year of running. So we all improve in the sport. That is what's phenomenal about it, Eli. I think you agree with me on this, you know, and you can keep going and as you get older. You know, I'm 74 now, and I try to win the over 70 division in the road races I go to. And I'm going to a road race in two weeks in Reading, Connecticut, called the Mark Twain race. And they've got a seven mile and a half marathon. Amby Burfoot, 
my teammate from college days is running and Dina Castor, Olympic medalist and Chicago marathon and London marathon champion is gonna run. They're older. So don't let things stop you. Don't let anything stop you. That's what I would say. You know, sometimes it's very hard, you know, when we have kids and, or job requirements, you know, it's hard. You know, I was a teacher for three and a half years and I tried to work around my teaching job. You know, I'd run early in the morning or, and actually my final year of teaching in Everett Mass, the superintendent of schools, I went to him trying to make the Olympic team in the marathon. I said, I need, I need to train twice a day. And can, can I go out on my lunch hour? And he said, yes. And so I made the team. If you don't get these kinds of breaks, have to try to find them. My partner, Karen, she worked at a hospital with Hitchcock up in New Hampshire for an orthopedic doctor. And she would run on a lunch hour. And he was a great doctor. He said, just be back on time. You know, so it's, we need that kind of leadership in our jobs, community, in our corporate world, whether it's small business, it's harder, but the more we can do for employees, because then you're a happier employee. Well said. Yeah. And a lot of corporations have done that. But we we need to change so most have that understanding, I think. Need to have more fun, right? (laughs) We need to loosen up. We need to do more of our passions, you know? Absolutely. And you know what? Work isn't so hard. You go back, you go out for a run, and you feel great. And you come back, and you're in a good mood. Tell us about that, you know, because when I run, whether I take a jog or however pace I'm running, endorphins really kick in for me and I become my most creative self. Sometimes I feel like I can write a whole book just on yeah. the run as all these yeah. thoughts and things flow. How yeah. is it for you? You know, I run with a pen and a piece of paper when I'm running in the wintertime and fall in a pocket, you know, in the summer, it's too hot for that, but absolutely that's true. But I probably, I run, Karen and I run together probably two days a week. I run with a friend or two another day a week. You know, I probably run five days a week. Because I was lucky. I started to be able to make my living in the sport, Eli. And at first I couldn't. There was no prize money, no parents' money. But today you can do that better. Most people, it's their health and fitness. And maybe they are raising money from an, for an organization. For example, at New York City Marathon, all the big marathons, Boston and Chicago, millions of dollars are raised for different groups, whether it's the Alzheimer's Association. I work with Impact Melanoma about skin cancer, because that is in my family, and took my grandfather. And so, so we all have these different focuses and ways to be involved. And that's better because that wasn't there way back, Eli. I met you, Bill, in 1980 at the West Side Y, September 15th, yeah. 1980, when you did a, yeah. an event there. Uh, and that's where the old uh, New York City, New York Roadrunners headquarters was. Yes. And so then there was, of course, an infamous gentleman who really uh, was the creator of the New York City Marathon and one of the great legends of, uh, of all running, of course, Fred LeBeau. Yes. Uh, and Fred LeBeau yes. was a pretty intense uh, gentleman and he made things happen. Tell us about uh, Fred LeBeau. Fred LeBeau is a very unique dude, you know, and, but I also want to add that Ted Corbett was also one of the founders of the New York Roadrunners yep. Club. And, and, and he ran in the first New York City Marathon. 1970. Did one of my best friends, Tom Fleming, who won New York twice, and and so it was a tiny little field. I think they had 170 runners, and yep. that's the tiny roots. But if you water the plant, put the fertilizer down, and that's you take care of the plant and cultivate it. Once you get into the sport, you start to believe in it, and that's what Fred did. 
you know, he became a runner and he really believed in it and he loved marathon. And I would meet Fred's at marathons all over the world. I met him in Korea and before the Seoul Olympic Games. Uh, he was on a team. We ran together and we ran together a lot of times. And, and we were the same in that we believed in the sport. That was the feeling, you know. And so did uh, George Hirsch, who was one of the original roadrunners who was involved in the sport. And he's still a runner today. And I see him walking down the street uh, in New York City, you know, bump into him. And I saw him at Boston this week. And, and so I think once you get into the sport, I think what I would like to say to people is, you know, have no fear. Life is even as better when you can become active. Don't think, you know, I can only, I can't walk to the mailbox because you can. Some people are really hit with disabilities that are very tough, but a lot of people with disabilities are out there now. I knew Bob Hall, who was the first person to do the Boston Marathon in a wheelchair, and he did it in a standardized hospital wheelchair. But he was a member of the Greater Boston Track Club, and the race director, Will Cloney, was a great guy. And if you ran a certain time, he'd give him his, his uh, medal and everything, which Bob did. You know, So our sport changed forever because of people like Fred LeBeau, George Hirsch, you know, Will Cloney, Tom Grilk at the BAA, Kerry Pinkowski at Chicago. And there's all the people at the smaller road races all over our country. And sports George like Sheehan, that. right? George Sheehan was great. Yes. I used I to run George. with him in, uh, in Asbury Park 10K. Yes, and he was one of the cardiologists who, who really believed that running and it, then you change your diet a bit, you feel better, you live better. Heart disease still takes a couple hundred thousand Americans every year, and that's terrible. And that's probably lower than it used to be, you know, but it could go a lot lower if people would try this kind of a sport, you know. But Dr. Gertian, he was a cardiologist, and a lot of cardiologists didn't believe that just being active and changing your diet could lead you to better cardio health, you know? And, and so I think that's, that is what we have seen now, that it's a positive. So you said something to me, which was very profound, and that was really about not having fear. How do you suggest people move past their fear? You know, I was someone who started at age 15. You know, we didn't run very far. We ran two miles. And most people run a little bit. And I would recommend people use, in terms of running, the Jeff Galloway method, where you run a distance, like say five minutes, and then you walk five minutes. Because we have a great genetic ability to recover very quickly from running. If we walk as part of our training, you know, and we have this huge heart for our body size, we humans. And uh, so that's an asset. And you can, you can build your heart by about 20%. But I think the psychological part, I think it's finding that team. Last year at the Boston Marathon, I met um, a group that is, um, you know, they were formerly, they were taking drugs, really got beat up by too much alcohol, you know, and I know a lot of runners like that, but they made their comebacks. They have like 200 people in this running group that ran Boston last year. And, you know, I take my hat off to them because it's so tough to beat a disease like that. But I think when we all work together, when we stick together, that's when America does best. And that's what I saw when I saw that group at the Boston Marathon, you know. But we need incentives, I think, Eli. We need incentives from the health insurance industry to give people financial incentives and other incentives so they can get out the door and live as athletes do. I think we all should be athletes or live like Dr. George Sheehan believed, you know, that just give it a try, you know. 
have faith in yourself. And I don't know, Eli, you you are in the same situation. We're all the same. We all have our, our times when we get an injury or something. But I think today, physical therapists and the medical support system is fantastic. The doctors and those people are fantastic. They will get you back out here. The good thing is this is kind of the ultimate good health sport. You might get Achilles tendonitis or calf strain. So you gotta, you want to move into the sport gradually and build up over time. When you go out for your runs in the summer, maybe you run with a bottle of Gatorade or water, you know? So it's these simple things that make the big difference. So true. If I lost a race, Eli, you know, when I got, you know, I had a hard race or dropped out because of the heat, I don't run that well in the heat. You just make a comeback and you say, well, I'll aim for this other race down the road, you know? Because you can race all the time. It, it, and you can race all over the world. This is a global sport. And, and it's, it's, and when you go, you know, I traveled with Fred LeBeau to the, actually to the Moscow Marathon. And it's a sad thing because war is going on now between Russia and Ukraine. But I went with Fred LeBeau and the New York Roadrunners Club and we met the Moscow Roadrunners and they were having the first Moscow Marathon. And they took us to the circus and everything, you know, and we had a great time. And the real truth is, at an individual level, we're all the same. We're all the same. And, and that's what Fred realized. And I think that's why he loved the marathon so much. Well, wow, that's powerfully said. I'm Bill Rogers for mayor. <laughs> you got my vote. <laughs> no, I'm, uh, a, I'm just a runner. I just want to be a runner. That's enough. You know? A runner with a great philosophy, that's for sure. In 1974, you're a relatively obscure runner, you know, winning here or there but you didn't win the big race yet. And then 1975 happens, you win the Boston Marathon and you go from relative obscurity to instant legend. Can you tell us a little bit about how that feels? And can you tell us a little about the details of that historic race? You know, I thank my coach, Billy Squires and my teammates, Greater Boston Track Club, Greg Meyer, Jack Roach, Mike Roach, uh, Vinnie Fleming, Alberto Salazar, all of us, we work together and, and, and you become a team. When you have teammates, it's easier mentally because you're running with your team, you know? Mm, yes. But also, it was a perfect day to run. We had a tailwind. It was cool weather. And, and so the weather is absolutely key in distance running. The cooler, the better. The hardest time to run is the summer. And so when you're out there in these Fourth of July races, make sure you drink plenty of water before the race, things like that. But I got into about the 10K mark and with a couple of other runners. One was a Canadian named Jerome Drake. He was the top Canadian. He held the Canadian marathon record about 40 years. I didn't really know who he was at the time, but someone yelled, go Canada. And he got me very focused. And I said, no, I'm, I'm going to go for the record. You know, I'm going to go for the win. And, and I got into the lead and I knew Will Cloney and Jack Semple who were on the lead vehicle. And they told me I was close to the record and all that. But when you're running, you just try to do your best. This is really a nuts and bolts sport. It's not too complex. But when I won that race that day, I got invited to other races around the U.S. and around the world. It really did change my life. It is the oldest marathon in the world. I still love going there. I was down there this weekend. I have a lot of friends from the running world. And you do make friends in this sport. And like I said, the barriers fall. It doesn't matter your skin color, your religion, how much your income is. We all get along. That's yeah, runners are all brothers and sisters, that's for sure. We could yeah. care less, right? <laughs> We're just there like for a similar experience. It's true. That's why I liked road racing. That's why I really got into it. 
even more than um, track world. Track is very tough. I ran some track, but I like road racing. You know, it's still tough competition, but we're all kind of had fun, you know, and you, afterwards you go and you get your post-race meal and everything. It used to be hot dogs and potato chips and a beer. Half the time it still is, but they also might have a banana and a bagel, you know, and, and uh, we still all celebrate. You know, what's interesting is that when you pass the finish line, whether you come in first place or whether you come in 10,000th place, you got your arms up in the air, you're celebrating, right. you're happy. It doesn't make a difference yes. what position you're in. You you got to the finish line and that's your goal is to get to the finish line in the best way that you possibly can. So you're not necessarily, unless you're an elite athlete like yourself, at least for me, I'm not competing with anybody else. I'm just competing with myself. And just, to, you know, my goal is get to the finish line and be yes. happy about my performance. Yes. But no, I the sport has that. <laughs> yes, I think it's absolutely true. On the line, you can be there with Olympic champion uh, like Dominic Samuelson or Frank Shorter, or Perez Jeptrichier, who just won the Boston race and won New York last fall. And, and because we're all trying our best, you know, it's not easy. It is hard. We need the support that they well, give out. You know, the, the, the people on the side, your family and friends, whoever can get you water, you know, so, so it's a psychological sport, really. But I agree with you. I was watching the race. Everyone's got their hands up. Right. Yeah, you, you, you can be you can be uh, almost the last one finishing. You got your hands up. You're thrilled, you know, because sure. it's it's not about winning, you know, and uh, unless you're an elite athlete for most runners, it's really, you yeah. know, you're winning just to get to the finish line. It's a great it's, feeling. It's a great physical and mental challenge, the marathon. So it's a 10K, you know, for a beginner, it's getting out the door, Eli. You know, when you've been at it a while, you kind of forget the that time. You know, when you're new to it and how hard it is, you don't have great shoes or gear. But I think I think you learn from your teammates, you know, don't get your shoes too small, you know, because they'll, <laughs> yeah. they'll hurt your feet, you know. That and, and, and the shoes aren't stretching, so get them the right fit right up front, I think. <laughs> and, and, and the good thing is today you can even order shoes online and return them if they don't work for you. That's a huge plus. It's hard to find the right shoe. Go to a specialty running store and have them check your feet. Please buy a pair of shoes from them. Later, you might want to move to online. But, you know, I, I do believe in supporting the, um, the running uh, retail specialists across the country. Well, you, of course, had the famous Bill Rogers Running Center in Boston, and now you're uh, doing it online. So tell us a little bit about how people can still buy some shoes and learn some lessons from the great Bill Rogers. Well, I've got a book I came out with. Yes, we all have a book, but I came out with this book in 2013. And it's not about really training for the I'm going to read the title. I'm going to read this because we're going to get everybody here who, you know, might not be looking. You know, they, it's Marathon Man, my 26.2 mile journey from unknown grad student to the top of the running world. Yeah, I was a graduate student at Boston College. I studied special ed. I became a teacher for a while. But I think I later found I really loved running and retired from teaching and got full time into running pretty much and with our store. But yes, yes, I'm glad to sign a book or a poster of the Boston Marathon or New York City, something like that. And um, my brother Charlie and I uh, still work together on this. And if you write to us at Bill Rogers Running Center, BostonBilly1975 at gmail.com, you know, I'm glad to sign a book, you know, because I think. My, my book, the book isn't really, it's, it's not a how-to book. 
it's more of like how we got into running, Eli, me, Charlie, and Jason, we're, we're kids. And then kind of gets a little rocky road, you know, when you're a little older, when you're 19, 20 with your job and your life changes. And we all quit. I quit running for almost two years and became a smoker and all that. But you can always make that comeback. As you talked about earlier, I was lucky to move to Boston and see the marathon. And I remember going over there with Jason. We lived near the finish line, my old high school teammate from Newington. And I saw Andy Burfoot running and Jeff Galloway. I used to run with them. And they're finishing the marathon and John Vitale from the University of Connecticut. So when you see someone you know out there, then it's doable. And so I joined the Boston YMCA, you know, and, and then later Charlie and Jason got back into running as well. We lost Jason a few years ago. He was our assistant manager at our store. And Charlie um, is still a runner. You know, we're slower. We're kind of creaky. I mean, we're <laughs> Aren't we all? Yeah. <laughs> but you're still out there and you're still trucking. We're still trying. And, and that's everything. That's just the key. Just give it a try. That's what my grandfather told me once. I was nervous about a cross-country race when I was a college student. He said, just give it a try. All my life, I've said that to myself. And, and, and it works. You know, you just take away the pressure and you just get out there with your friends and you run. You know, when I first uh, trained for the New York City Marathon, it was because uh, I was watching the 1979 New York City Marathon on television. And I see a guy by the name of Bill Rogers. And uh, I admired what you were able to do. Uh, you were this all clean cut American sort of hero type. And I decided that day to run the 1980 New York City Marathon. I had no idea how I was going to do it. Uh, and I decided to employ exactly what you said. Just get out there, run yep. one block and take it from there. See what I can do. And so all great success often just begins in one small step. And if you wait until conditions are perfect, you'll be waiting forever. Yeah, right? don't, don't, don't do that. Don't wait because it's your life. It is your life. And you want to, you get a lot more on life if, if you can find the sport you love, whether it's walking or running or swimming. You know, I, I love to go to the swimming pool. I'm not a good swimmer, not a fast swimmer, but I, I always feel better when I swim. It's the same sort of mental feeling where you relax and then you feel good, you know. But Eli, here it is all the years later. Jeff Galloway is still a runner. Amby Burfoot is still a runner. You know, some of my friends were runners and now they're cyclists. You know, they make a transition. Jeff Galloway looks like he can still win. I see him every uh, July 4th at the Peachtree Run because that's yeah. that's his town, Atlanta. <laughs> yeah, and that is one of America's great, great races. I could never win that race. I came in second a couple of times. That's a tough one. <laughs> Those that hills. Is a, that is a heartbreak really, hill. <laughs> but it's a great city. And, you know, every city has their leaders in it like that in the running community, probably in the cycling community. I think America is changing. I found out last year there's these beautiful trails that in the town or near by me in Framingham and Natick and Concord called the Bruce Freeman Trail, rail trail, where they used to have trails, uh, railroads. Eli, and now they're making them to bike and walking and running paths. That's what we need all across the country. And for years, as I traveled around America over the last 40, 50 years, I would always be looking for a park, you know, a place I could run downtown, you know, Peachtree Park in Atlanta or the Commons in Boston or Central Park in New York. You look for the city. Where can you run? You're safer from cars, that sort of thing. So this is happening now across 
America. And, and it's wonderful. And, and how cycling is being allowed in the cities more and more. You know, they're doing that in Boston, in New York, all the big cities, everywhere. And that's what we need because a lot of people will take their bikes into work, you know. Well, the happiest place in all of New York City, in my opinion, is Central Park. I've never seen anybody grumpy in Central Park. <laughs> You're totally right. Totally agree with you. When I when I come in for the marathon, I want to go down to the park. I want to run around the reservoir. I go up to the top, and there's something about running around a pond or water. Or the reservoir, oh my God, is one of the most majestic places on the planet. Yeah. Seeing all those buildings and seeing that beautiful body of water. Oh my goodness. And you see, and everyone else is out there, thousands of runners. And you see these runners ahead of you, and you wonder, I wonder if I could catch him. And then other runners pass you and you say, and it's just fun. It's just, it's it's a fun life. And then you get into the race senior, and then you become an explorer. You know, that's what you did, Eli, and I did, and millions of Americans have done. There's something like 30 million Americans now who who run or do triathlons, and their lives are better. And I, I'm kind of a crazed person. People might think I'm a fanatic. I guess I am, but I think there's so much good that comes out of the sport. I know I benefited a lot. So I, you know that term, passing the torch? That's what you do, Eli, with your show. And, and, and the people you talk with, you know, there's people with a lot more talent than me in running and everything. But I think I was able to have a lot of support. My parents, my brother Charlie, my coach. You know, there were some key people that helped me so much. And so when you get out there, you find that out. It could be your next door neighbor. My partner, Karen, she was hit with cancer, breast cancer. Her doctor was a, a runner. So why don't you try running? She got into running. That was 16 years ago. She's done nine marathons. She beat me today in a workout. Wow. Wow. It's <laughs> pretty tough. So, so the unbeatable is beatable. Yeah. You know, these are just great lessons that you're teaching people. And if you don't have even some of that support system around you, find it, you know, join a group, like you said, join a running club. They're out there. There are other people that, you know, you can go online who, who would be happy to run with you, but you're better off in a, in a group than you are as a lonesome yes. person by yourself, because you'll learn yeah. a lot more. You'll, you'll be more incentivized, you know, you'll be happier. So these are all great lessons. I'm wondering, Bill, if you had to do it all over again, whether in your running career, in your life, is there anything that you would do differently? I'm sort of a ranter and raver, and I kind of spoke out a lot sometimes, got me in hot water a few times. <laughs> I, I kind of regret some of the comments I made, you know, sometimes. But a lot of us, we're trying to make the sport a, a better sport for everyone. And, and sometimes you had to get the attention of the media or, or the public. You had to say something a little outrageous, you know, and I don't know. I think I was I, I was lucky enough to have the my Newington High School cross country coach, and he helped me and Charlie and Jason get our start. So most people, sadly, never get chosen for a sport. Eli, in high school, do you know what I'm saying? Yes. Because there are limited numbers on most teams. That's why I loved cross country. You could have 30 young women and 30 young guys there on a team pretty big teams you know the doors aren't closed to you that's what i'm saying that's why i like these olympic sports it's probably true in cycling as well i don't know really very much about the other sports you know but i love the cardio sports because these are the ultimate sports. you know basketball soccer swimming you know where you get out there and um and i think our country is really changing big time 
and more and more people are running. They're not letting their age stop them. Women are out there. More women are out there than men, actually, today running. You see all these um, stories. And I saw a guy finish the Boston Marathon. He had two artificial uh, legs. How inspiring, right? Unbelievable. This, this guy, he was actually a Kenyan. He came from Kenya to, to run for American college. Went out for a run and got lost in Alaska. Lost his legs for frostbite, his feet. This guy was incredible. You know what he said at the interview line? He said, no, get off the couch. You can do it. When you see people like that, it's like. If they can do it, what are our excuses, right? <laughs> Eli, I, yeah. was running, I was running in the Oklahoma City Memorial Marathon a few years ago. I'm actually going there tomorrow. And that is an incredible race where the bombing took place years ago. Wow. It blew up the government building. It was tragedy. And but out of that tragedy, the people of Oklahoma City created this marathon and half marathon and relays. And now everyone gets together, thousands of people. And this is this is the way you beat violence. I truly believe in this. And I was running the race one year and I looked up ahead of me and there's this guy. And I was running pretty good. And I said, He's got artificial legs. He's got those prosthetic legs. Yep. How can this guy be ahead of me? Later, I read about him. He was on his motorcycle and got hit in an intersection. He was lying in bed in the hospital, and he saw the Iron Man on TV and said, I'm going to do that. Is Isn't that, that incredible? What? That's <laughs> incredible. I don't know if I could do that if I lost my leg, if I could have the courage, you know, find the way, but I'd try to find something. Try to find something. You know, it's amazing, Bill, how in our greatest adversity often comes our greatest triumphs. You know, the things that you think would uh, knock us down and keep us down are the very things that actually inspire us to do something greater. And sometimes there are people who have said, you know, whether it's cancer or, or what other uh, accident that they had, it's the very thing that woke them up in life. And in some cases, they said it was the best thing that ever happened. Hard to imagine some of those things as a best thing, but it was the thing that really got them to realize that life is short, life is unknown, and you got to go for the gusto, uh, leave okay. the excuses behind, get yeah. out there, face your fears and do it anyway. Right? And you know, I think what you're saying is, your listeners, if they can do that for a neighbor or a friend. And that's powerful to do it for that's others. And that's then, what it's all about. Then you made your move. Oh, wow. And, and then you made your move. That's a great way good. to end this show. I can tell you that. Well, I just want to encourage everybody who's listening here today to pick up a copy of Marathon Man, of course, Bill's latest book. And he's just given you an opportunity that nobody else who's been on my show has, which is he'll actually sign the book for you. So go ahead and send it to the Bill Rogers Running Center or just send an email over to Boston Billy. Get your pens ready, Boston Billy 1975 at gmail.com. Bill, thank you so much. You're one of my great heroes. Eli, let's send that message to get a friend out there or a neighbor, okay? That's our sport. And I've got to sign your book in a few years. So let's keep going. <laughs> Absolutely. Amen. Thank you, Bill. Thanks, Eli. Thanks so much for tuning in. We love our listeners and we believe you have greatness within you. If you like The Motivation Show, we appreciate you subscribing, rating, and reviewing us. Check out EliMarcusSuccess.com to hear more inspiring shows and to read our motivational blog. That's EliMarcusSuccess.com.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.